Ephesians chapter 4. A very familiar passage. And from verse 7. But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower region, lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, seeking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart may be acceptable to you. We acknowledge you, Jesus, as our rock, our redeemer, and you our hope is. And I pray that by your spirit, you would speak to us for your glory. Father in Christ. Amen. You may have seen this before. This is an Ogin. This is, come on, there we go. This is an Ogin. I'll let you have a look at that. Start from the left, go that way. You got it? I can, I can work out who are fast readers by... <laughs> Somebody over here will get it in 10 minutes. <laughs> Today we're going to look at leadership. We're going to look at ministry. We're going to look at the priesthood of all believers. Although I, I may not mention the priesthood of all believers and, and by name, but we're going to look at that. And um, Two weekends ago, Rick Lewis, who is my ministry mentor, was with us in Pitlochry and on the Saturday we spent uh, the morning I think it was yeah, it was the morning in the cafeteria at Brewer and there was lots of things that Rick was speaking into our lives as leaders he, he's, what, he's done that he's been there, he's got the badge and he's got the gift and ministry of mentoring and there was one thing that not one thing but there was a certain thing that I just thought I need to write that down I need to write that down, that's just so good and it was this when he was speaking about the church, now, the church is involved in so much in the community to, by the power of the Spirit, hopefully by the leading of the Holy Spirit, just involved in lots of things, seen and not seen. There are individual ministries and there are corporate ministries, not just of this church, but Hillview and all sorts of, of places. And Rick said this, the church is not a community service but community in service. If you hear, if all you hear today, I want you to hear this again. 
The church is not a community service, but community in service. And I was like, oh, so good. I believe that so much. And that's what we're going to explore today. Yes, we are engaged in community service. We have experienced the love of God, the power of God. We are sent, therefore, to go into all the nations uh, with the great commission from Christ. But the church should not be seen as a community service. But rather, we are under, our understanding must be that this community, and those who are not here and all over, are community in service. And I, I, that, I, I'm I'm emphasizing time and time and time again. So we're going to look at um, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 7 through to 16. And we're going to look at this theme of ministry and what it is and how we understand it in Pitlochry. It will be the same as many churches understand it. But as there are so many um, new people in the life of our church family we want to just go over some things which we believe are foundational. We've kind of worked this out. We believe it. It's maybe not unique to us, but we are committed to it. So therefore, I am not the priest of Pitlockery Baptist Church. I am not a priest. As in the Old Testament way, where the priests were set aside, they were received no land, but they received a portion. And their job was to, in the festivals, and in the rhythm of the nation, the life of the nation, represent the people before God. I do not do that for you guys. That is not my calling. And we're going to come to that a little bit as well. I have been, um, since, since Douglas Fergus first knew me as an 11 and 12 year old in Glasgow, and then the, the, the next couple of years, people in my life recognized a gifting of leadership. And and people like Andy Kennedy and Tam Young and Scott Alexander and Jake Booth and lots of guys like that and Lynn Alexander mentored me and set aside tasks and responsibilities and coached me and helped me and put up with me to develop that leadership gifting that the Lord has put in my life. So I know that I'm a leader. And then because God's got a heck of a sense of humor, he decided to call me to be a pastor and I came kicking and screaming. It was nothing that I wanted to do. So I kind of know some of my gifts and abilities, and there's lots of others, but I am not a priest. I hate the word when people, and Jenny does this a lot, she calls me the vicar. I am not a vicar. There's only one victor, and that's Christ. I'm a pastor and a leader in the church, and we're going to explore that in a minute. So first of all, and everything's going to be up here, so if, you, if that helps you, if I speak too quickly, if I go off piste, this will help me get back on piste as well. First of all, I need to say right at the beginning, we're going to explore Ephesians 4, that is, you are needed. As a, as a church, we believe in this idea that we're all involved. It's not just a few people set aside. It's not the paid professionals. You are needed. Verse 7 says, But to each one of us grace Gifts, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And the big idea here is, is that the sovereign Lord has given each person within the church community, within the, within the family, whatever name you want to, to use, the body of Christ, 
has given each one of us special abilities to minister to other believers in the church. There's lots of metaphors in, in scripture for this. The body metaphor is a good one. How can the, oh, I forget what it is now, how can the ear say to the nose, I don't need you? You know what I'm talking about. We, the, there is not a pecking order. We are all in this together and you guys are needed. And everyone has been given gifts just as Jesus appointed. Some of that may be natural. It may be that your workplace sees you being an accountant. I think that a, 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 can be a gift that the Lord has given you as well as a general interest. And that may be used in the life of the church. I've known people who said, I'm an accountant and I don't want to do that in, in my service to the church. I want to, do, I, I want to do children's work. And I've known that. So you have natural gifts and abilities that will be used in everyday life as, and also in the church too. Now, this week for our small groups, I've um, put together a, a, a study that will hopefully encourage you and your, your groups to explore what may be your spiritual gifts. No time here this morning to even touch on that. But in the, the small groups, that will go out this afternoon. A whole list of spiritual gifts from Scripture. And it might be interesting for you guys just to throw that about. I see that in you. Oh, I never really, Oh, definitely you've got that gift. We can, you're exercising that gift already. So please explore that we exercise in your small groups. I think it should be good fun. But that says everyone has been given a gift from Jesus. Why? Verse 16. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We've all received something for the benefit of the church, for the body, for fellow believers. When we use these gifts and don't hold back on them, the church family matures. Therefore, if we hold back, the church will be missing and poorer because you've held back your gifts and abilities and service within the church. Paul compares the church to the body that properly works. Every part is growing and getting stronger and more mature as the different parts play their role within the church. Not just certain gifts, but all the gifts, no matter how up front or behind the scenes in the limelight are done when no, where no one can see. They're all so important. And this in itself is radical. I am not a priest. I am not a paid professional, paid to do all the work. I've got a, a role within the church. Too often I jump about doing cleaning and, and stuff like that because it is needed. But my primary role is to lead and to enable the church family to discover and grow in the gifts that God has given them for the benefit of the kingdom. But when you think of the church, what is the image that comes to mind? Is it the body and, and all of that that you see in scripture quite a lot? I want to share with you some distorted images that I think some of us will have um, in regards to the church. And I also want to say this right at the beginning as well, though, in case I forget. Some of us have came to this church family because we need a time of healing. 
is a sh- you feel like you've been a ship out in the high sea, you're battered and bruised for whatever reasons. Or you feel like my boat is so small and the sea is so big. And you need a time of being in the harbour for safety. You need the protection of a harbour to be repaired and to be healed. I want to acknowledge that there are people in our church family who need that. And we need to discern that period of time with them. But I also want to remind us that ships are meant to be out in the high seas after a period of time. So, that said, four images of, a dist- of uh, distorted images of church. The first is a petrol station, where church is a place where you come and spir- uh, fill up your spiritual tank. And there might be something good about that. Every Sunday, you, you get a top-up, and that's okay. But if that's all it is, whenever you're running low and there's no places throughout the week and you're, you're, you're last, in fact, if you've, you drive an electric car and it's cold and, you know, it says you're meant to get 200 miles but you find you get 50 miles and you're just trying to get to that service station and you see a service station that's got a huge queue, that's why I went for a diesel car. I don't want that. <laughs> Some people, that is kind of a, what it's like for them and their whole experience of church. Get a good sermon, get a good bit of worship, good bit of silence, good bit of prayer, and then that'll keep you going for the week. But that's a distorted image of what church is. Another distorted image is that of a cinema, a place where you go and be entertained. I'll just stop there, because we all know that that's very distorted. Of a chemist, a church is a place where you can fill the prescription that will deal with the pain. And thank you for whoever reminded us that here today there were people who will just be suffering and may even be holding on with the fingertips. And it is appropriate to a point to come and and it's a good habit to to join with other believers and let the the worship soak into your heart and bring healing and and be in that place where God by his spirit and his way can just minister to it. That is all good, but church is more than that. And another distorted image is the high street retailer. Church is clean, safe, it's a good environment for the family. It's a good place for the kids to be and, and all of that. That hopefully is true, but it's still distorted. The church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, that image is so much more. And we believe this in leadership in Pitlockery Baptist. So I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just trying to give examples of distorted images and whether they apply to you and only you will know. However, if they do resonate with you, then know, and they resonate too well, know that that is not right. Your image of church, your understanding of church, your place within the church, of how Christ thinks of the church, needs to be informed by God's word. So let me say again, the church is not a community service, but the church is community and service. You're part of the body, You've got an important part to play. Let no one say you haven't. You may have been discouraged in the past. Don't let that uh, set the course for you going forward. The church really can't possibly, Pitlockery Baptist Church really can't possibly be what God wants us to mature into if there's just that 20% doing the 80% of the work. It will not work. We will burn out. It will fizzle out. We'll fight with one another. 
because we're not exercising our gifts and we're doing things that we're not meant to. Take today as an example. Doc and Jenny and Steve and Drew and Elaine and Mike have been leading us and Andrew's been up there doing the visuals. When you came in, I think Colin Kirkwood greeted you. If you went through in the prayer, I think Gail may have led the prayer, but there's people praying. I know that Fiona was in the kitchen because I helped her make a flask of coffee. And I know uh, Nelly came in to help. And Nikki says, can I help? And what else? I know that Jill was in here this week with Heinel preparing things. I know that after, I, I, somebody helped me set this up for the funeral. And et cetera, et cetera. Jill sets this little white box to make sure the heating's on. Um, because the heating's all mucked up, Helen Kirkwood, for some stupid reason, needs to press a button the day before to make sure that that little box works. Lots happens for this hour and a half. People are exercising their gifts. Some people are not exercising their gifts. Some people are doing things because no one else will do it. So this is just a little example of why we're able to sit here in comfort and listen to me. Um, much like a football team, and I don't often put football into my analogies, but this time I am. You sometimes hear a player who scored a hat-trick and the first thing they'll say is, yeah, it's great for me to get a hat-trick, but the most important thing is the three points. And I used to think that was a cliche and maybe it is for some people. But three points is important. Because if I just win by having a good sermon, I go away feeling happy and thinking, Lord, I've done everything that I thought was right. But if we all exercise our gifts, we all win. If more and more people are exercising the gift that the Lord has called them into, we win. The glory is given to God. The Spirit is able to move. So, this first part I'm just finishing off by saying, you are needed. You're needed because you've got special abilities that the Lord has given you. And that's to serve others. You're needed because there's something in your gifting that will bring out our gifting. There's something in your calling that will really um, push other people on. So you're needed. And the second thing, and there really is only two and a little bit at the end. So what can I do to help us win? I'm needed. Okay, as a leader, as a pastor, I am needed. But it's maybe different than you thought. Verse 8 says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. So imagine a conqueror who's returning from battle and he's coming with all kinds of tribute and plunder and he's giving out generously, lavishly, the plunder that he's received. This is the image that is being portrayed here by Paul. And that's the picture he gives us of Jesus, the conqueror, and he's given out gifts. And what are the gifts that he is mentioning? Verse 11 says, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. God has given us leaders within the church. Pregnant pause. Some of you might be thinking, that's no much of a gift. 
But that's how Paul describes it. As the conqueror returns, as Christ has defeated death in Hades and apportions gifts, as the Spirit is poured out, he gives us the gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. And it's, he lavishly gifts, gives this gift. But unfortunately, many of us have got a poor view of leadership. We don't see it in a positive light and we certainly don't see it as a lavish gift that Christ has apportioned to the church. But according to Paul, that's what I am. That's what leaders within the church are. They're a gift from Jesus himself to his body, his bride, whom he loves and desires to go on to maturity, to the fullness of Christ. Here's how Paul puts it. Leaders in verse 12 need to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. My job title is that, to equip God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. In other words, the purpose of pastors and leaders is not to provide a service for you, but rather the purpose of pastors and leaders is to serve the people of God so that you, they, can play their part, their God-given part in this whole thing called the kingdom of God. I'm needed to help you play your role within the church so that the church becomes as it should be. See how I'm getting back to point one, you are needed. And now point two is I'm needed. But not to do all the work as a priest or as a caretaker or as a lackey or as a paid professional. That is not my job title. My job title is to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Ministry is not carried out by paid professionals. We get to a point where we feel we need a full-time worker, but it's not to do all the work. It's to help equip others to serve in their gifts. Ministry is carried out by everyone within the church. We play a role. So we are all ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many of us know that. Many of us live in that. But for those who are coming part of our church family, it's good to to go over this foundation again. This is what we believe. Step up to the plate. I've, me and Miranda have both loved the last number of months where people have been speaking to us or writing us to us saying, I've got this idea. And the sheer vision, which for me and Miranda, we believe God has said, stay and watch what I am going to do. Stay in Pitlochry, don't leave Pitlochry and watch what I am going to do. And so me and Miranda have intentionally done that. And now we're getting people saying, I want to do this. Why are we not doing this? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever done this? And then they add this little bit at the end. But I don't want to step on anybody's toes. And me and Miranda like, stuff that. You step on anybody's toes, you step on toes. Tell them to get out of the way. Go for it. <laughs> as, long as, it's, as long as it's not something that, it, that we as a, a church family would say, no, we do not believe that. Let's, let's go back to scripture. As long as we, that doesn't become the scenario. But recently people were saying, can we run a Friday youth club? No, we're not doing it once a week. No, no, we're not doing it once a month. No, we're not doing it twice a month. We need to do it every single week. Much like 
uh, WA soup lunches every single week so that we can get to know people and they get to know us. We're like, fantastic, go for it, go for it. Exercise your gifts. How can I help? How can I serve? We're all ministers of the gospel. And how does this all happen? What comes about? Um, well, not. I need to watch my time, so I'm going to rush this. Verse 13, 14 says this. Until, so God's given us leaders within the church. We, we, are, we are to minister. And then God says, yeah, but I'm still going to give you leaders to, to equip you. And I'm giving you leaders for this purpose. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God and become mature, attaining to a whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth from the waves and blown here and there and by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and crassness of people with their deceptive, deceptive scheming, scheming. There's a lot in here, so I'm going to tell you in two ways. First of all, until we all reach, so we've got gifts, we're to serve, I'm going to give you leaders to help you, and this is one of the things that they are going to uh, hopefully work among you, until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God. Unity in the faith, what does that mean? That we've all got a, a like-minded understanding of the foundations of the Christian faith. My job, uh, with others, because I am not the best preacher in this church family. We have a preaching team in this church family and hopefully we've got more people stepping into this role. But as the overseer of that, my job is to Listen to God and say, Lord, what, what do we need? What do we need to go back to? What do we need to emphasize? What new things are you taking into, us into? Where should we go in Scripture? And, and so part of my job is to open Scripture and say, this is what has been believed. This is what is orthodox. This is how the Spirit of God has led the apostles and the disciples and the early church to believe. And we continue to believe that canon of truth and teach all of that. So unity and faith, so that we all say, yep, this is what we believe. And that could be about the gospel, who God is, who is humankind, what is scripture, what do the Lord's Supper and Baptism represent, and how we're to live as followers of Jesus Christ. That's unity and faith, unity in what we believe. And leaders should be helping us gain a, com a competent understanding of these things. But leaders should also be helping us gain a knowledge of the Son of God. Now this isn't just head knowledge, important though that is this knowledge I think that Paul is talking about here we can't really find in a book instead it's the knowledge we gain from one another as we live in community together that's why I believe preceding verse 7 in Ephesians 4 verses 1 to 6 is all about unity 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 and then he goes on to speak about diversity and the gifts but it's all about being united he stresses unity, so we must be united with one another so that we may enter into one another's lives and hear and see and experience the Son of God actively living among us. That's why I will go on until I'm blue in the face about small groups. We can't just do this living together on a Sunday. It's hard, I know one or two of you hate it, small groups, and you've told me you hate it, and, and I love you, but I'm still going to pester you about it because... Within those groups, even this new group that I'm involved in, 
we as a couple have just been blessed and blessed and blessed and upheld. And we feel as if we're maturing as a couple, me and Miranda. And it's all because we're living this together. The knowledge of Christ we are experiencing through community. So that's, that's the first thing there. And the second thing, and, and I'm going to kind of finish on this. What else does 13 and 14 say about good leadership and what it's working us towards? And he goes on to say, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. As a fetus develops into a baby, as a baby develops into a toddler, as a toddler develops into a child, into a teenager, into a teenager, into a young adult, to an adult, into a senior, a mature adult is someone who is fully grown. Paul is telling us something similar here. On the one hand, we should all be working towards maturity. We shouldn't be stagnant Christians. We shouldn't be Christians that say you can't teach old dogs new tricks. What a lot of rubbish. God says the work I've begun in you, I'll bring to completion. So you should be changing and maturing all the time. The, let me pick in the front row here. The Drew Scott should not be the same Drew Scott of five years ago. Jenny, Douglas, Mike, Elaine. We should be maturing and becoming more like Jesus as we are united in Christ and, and as we begin to understand and experience the full knowledge of Christ. As we say, come Holy Spirit, your kingdom come and your will be done. Change, 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 change. Being fit for heaven. Douglas Fergus spent a life, he was not perfect, but he spent a life following Jesus, being fit for the presence of God. And in a twinkling an eye, he was there. That's our calling as well. Totally our calling. And only then we will no longer be infants tossed and back forth by the waves and blowing here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of people in their deceptive teaching. I'm leaving you with one example as I finish. You know what I've got at here. It's this is ministry. We are ministry. I will burn myself out if I try to be all things to all people. That is not why I'm here. I do not apologize. I'm too old in the truth. To, uh, truth and I've got too many stripes to, to try and do that. I'm David Barry. I know what I'm good at and I'm not, I know what I'm not good at. But what about you? What are you holding back? Do you need a bit of time in the harbor? Enjoy that. But mature. Grow, heal, be open. But if you're sitting twiddling your thumbs, don't think that the leadership in Pitlockery Baptist have got everything nailed down. Oh, we need people to do everything. <laughs> we really do. So step up to the plate. In Acts, the shape of Acts, I'm going to finish with this one wee story, and I apologise, I've went on quite a long time. One wee story to finish with. The book of Acts traces the way in which the early Jesus movement shifts from a focus on the renewal of the Jewish uh, community, uh, the Jewish people. It, it traced it from that to becoming largely a Gentile movement. That's what Acts is all about. Started in the synagogue, I guess, and then through persecution was spread all over the known world. And a key moment in that trajectory or that movement was the establishment of a Jesus community in Antioch where in Acts chapter 11 verse 26 it says where the disciples were first called Christians. 
distinct. No longer a sect within Judaism, but Christians, little Christs, followers of this Jewish rabbi who they believe was a Messiah who was dead, buried, and resurrected on the third day. And this came about not by apostolic church planting, not by leaders and prophets and evangelists and pastors and leaders saying, we're going to plant a church over in Aberfeldy. No, it didn't come about that way. It came about through people. Let's call them lay people, but that's lay and clergy is not a New Testament um, language at all. It's, ma it's made up. You're not lay people. You're ministers of the gospel. But let's just say it in that term. It came about where ministers of the gospel who were not leaders found themselves in a community running away from persecution and worshipping Jesus there. And the spirit of God was moving through them. And what happened? A church grew out. It was a, a house church. And then it became a, a, multiple house churches. And then eventually a bit of structure came about. But that's how it came about. This Jesus movement came because they were scattered. And people in the pews, as it were, not up front, started to meet together to worship Jesus. They committed themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, prayer, etc. And it was only then, when that was identified that the church of Jerusalem sent Barnabas and this young guy called Paul to go and encourage. And what did they do? I think they did what we've been teaching here in uh, Ephesians 4. He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until they all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. It was at that point they came in to do that. So what is God doing in Highland Persia? I ain't got a clue, but I'm excited about it. Um, I don't know about Aberdeen. I don't know about Edinburgh. But um, I know of, of many church communities who are um, moving over and letting God um, move. But, but willing to be involved in that. And, and, and that's my heart as a pastor. I am, I'm here. I'm not leaving. Sorry. I, I, I've went through all of that. And it was brutally painful. And it was a one time me and Miranda really were at the point of, do we really believe the same things anymore? And after a period of time, she was right and I was wrong. <laughs> it's the truth. And I got on my knees and says, okay, God, I'll stay and I'll watch what you're going to do. I don't know what he's going to do, but I'm up for it. And I'm going to try and exercise my gifts and I encourage you to exercise yours. Amen. Shall we pray together? Father, pray for the community and Aberdeen and the community in Edinburgh and I pray that today uh, their communities would be encouraged. I pray that they would be built up a little step more forward and uh, towards maturity and the knowledge and the experience of Christ and the unity in Christ. I pray that the pastors and the leaders 
would be encouraged and I pray that they would have done their job today and I pray that others would have exercised their job and I pray that the name of Jesus would have been high and lifted up and I pray that also would have been the case here Lord that you Father God would be honoured with what is happening here in this small pocket of this wonderful world I pray Father that we have honoured Jesus and that we have been open to the leading of your Holy Spirit. And if not, Lord, have mercy in us and teach us how to. Push us aside, Father. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.